Good evening, and welcome to the second episode of the Aging Hipster Star Wars Rewatch. I am your host, Darth Bob Serrano. Joining me, as always, is a person who once asked me, is it murder to kill your own clone? Hello, Toby Crines. How are you doing tonight? I'm excited to be here, more so than episode one. This is like the most excitement I've had since our episode one podcast. (laughs) Excellent. And with us tonight is our special guest, Star Wars expert, Mike DeClerc. Good evening, Mike. How are you doing tonight? Good evening. Good evening. I, I don't. I wouldn't call myself an expert necessarily, but I. I will say I'm unapologetically a fan of the prequels. Awesome. Much to your wife's chagrin, I understand, <laughs> and embarrassment. Yes, exactly. Both, both indeed. Well, well, and more importantly, you know more about this. Uh, some of the background canon stuff that we do because we all of our canon got flushed away by the Disney buy. <laughs> um, but really quickly. Before we get into this, what did you think of The Phantom Menace? What did I think of The Phantom Menace? I like The Phantom Menace. I, obviously, there's lots of plot holes, and the acting is a little bit weird. And I think you guys hit it. I listened to your episode that you did. I think you hit a lot of you know, what's good and bad about that. But I, you know, I like them all, man. There's, there's good stuff. There's bad stuff. But um, you know, it's where this whole thing started. So. And then this week, wasn't there like a viral thing by Freddie Prince Jr. about star wars that you sent to me yeah it made me kind of think and kind of realize that a lot of my disappointment is rooted in the fact that you know for a long time like we saw those movies when we were kids and then we kind of kept carrying the water for so long like we we bought the toys and the novels and all this kind of stuff but we weren't kids anymore and then it was like george lucas made a movie for our little brothers yeah we're like what right. what are you talking about you know <laughs> I think um, I think that rant he made a lot of really good points, right? What what did he say? Basically, right. it was that, you know, they when we were kids, we watched the original trilogy when we were kids, and then when yeah. the prequel trilogy came out, we weren't kids anymore, and it was made for kids. And now even sequel trilogy, it's made for kids, and we're in our forties now. So I, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's made for kids. I will say too, though, like this whole argument of the Phantom Menace and the prequel trilogy was made for kids. I mean, the politics are not made for kids, but right. movies made for kids. So it's there's a little bit of a of a hang up there, but yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I think it might be revisionist history on George Lucas' part. Like, oh, that reason all you idiots don't like it is because it's for kids. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, anyways, just to recap the project for you, Mike, uh, Toby and I made a pleasure rewatching podcast about all eight movies of the Skywalker saga. We're going from episode one, which we did last week, to episode eight. Leading up to the Rise of Skywalker on December 20th. We finished the Phantom Menace, like I said, last week. And now we're on to Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. But before we kick things off, let's take care of some business. Please subscribe, recommend, rate, and review. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and a bunch of other apps. If we are not found on the app you regularly use, please let me know and I'll get it worked out. Also, please email us at aginghipsternetwork at gmail.com. Please email us all of your Star Wars questions. We'll read it on air and give it our non-experty take. So, without further ado, Toby, please take us back to a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Okay, so after Phantom Menace, when we have uh, the little kid Anakin and uh, a kid Padme... Padme's 14, Anakin's 9. We're now, uh, do we, how many exact years are we after? Is it like 12 years or Ten. something? 10 years. Okay, so Anakin's 19, Padme's 24. Uh, now they're at mating age where it's totally <laughs> acceptable. So the movie starts with 
the bombing of uh, what what we're supposed to believe is Padme, but like everything leading up to it makes it clear it's not Padme. And so her her stunt double dies, and Padme gets ushered off uh, to a secure location. Um, Prime Minister Palpatine assigns Anakin to Padme's security detail. Uh, technically, he assigns Obi Wan, but uh, we we learn later it's a ruse to get Adme and Anakin and Padme together, or Adme anime <laughs> as, as they're known in Hollywood. A couple names, <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, so sh- there's a uh, the shapeshifter who's hired by Jango Fett, who's probably hired by the Sith Lord to assassinate uh, the Padme. Uh, they send these two worm things in uh, Anakin and. Obi-Wan learn of this and they go and chase down, basically uh, uh, they jump out windows and jump out of cars to go find it, uh, to go figure it out and uh, there's actually a really cool chase scene that I'm sure we'll get into more but um, where uh, Obi-Wan and uh, Anakin are going in these little space car things and they're going all over and uh, so Obi-Wan jumps out the window first but later Anakin jumps out of the car into the, the abyss of the city um, so it's pretty cool. And then Padme and Anakin elope <laughs> where, uh, they, they fall in love and Obi-Wan at that time goes to Kamino, uh, which is a water planet where they're making all the clones. Um, Anakin's having these nightmares, uh, or actually visions of his mom in pain. And then he goes and kills all the sand people who are holding his mom captive, um, which kind of puts him further down the path to the dark side. Obi-Wan, on Camino finds Jango Fett, who remember who tried to kill Padme earlier, um, and he gets into a little fight with with Jango there. Obi Wan and Jango, uh, Jango escapes. Obi Wan follows him um, to uh, to another planet where C three PO and oh, so he goes there, gets captured. Sent, but before he's captured, he sends a message to Anakin, who then shows up with Padme and C-3PO and R2-D2, um, which leads to an exciting sequence where C-3PO gets his head knocked off and put on a, a battle droid, and R2-D2 has jets come out of his side, which up until now we're not, we didn't know he had, and so it was really cool to see he had these jets. And like they would have been really helpful at other, <laughs> other parts, but uh, apparently he forgets that he has them in episodes four through six. Um, there's this uh, Austin Powers execution scene where it's like this long drawn out thing where Anakin has a loving kiss and caress with Padme while they're being carted out. For some reason, uh, Obi-Wan's already tied up out there giving them this private time. The Clone Wars begin with this, <laughs> there's this battle with like um, these raging animals <laughs> that are turning on their captors and, uh, and they end up helping uh, one of them ends up helping Anakin escape. And, uh, but before they can escape, they, they get surrounded by battle droids and they're going to be gunned down by all the droids. But just in the nick of time, the Jedi arrive with uh, the clone army and whisk off our heroes um, where they are then brought to uh, the climactic scene, which is where uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin uh, fight with Count Dooku uh, who's uh, uh, the Sith, Sith Lord's apprentice. Um, uh, uh, Count Dooku's a badass. He kicks the heck out of Obi-Wan. Anakin gets his arm cut off. Uh, and in limps Yoda on his cane. 
uh, and then he gets into a force fight with Dooku before finally getting into this climactic lightsaber duel um, that Dooku kind of cheats to win. And then at the very end, they, they, uh, you know, Yoda has what I think is the most powerful line where he says something to the effect of, uh, you know, Obi-Wan's like, well, we wouldn't have been victorious without the clones. And uh, Yoda's like, victorious, you say? Uh, no, this is the, so starts the Clone War. You know, it's kind of a cool scene. Um, and then finally, in my version, uh, there's the skinny Photoshop issue um, on Naboo <laughs> where, where Anakin and uh, Padme are making out uh, because they were married. <laughs> the end <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for the uh, rundown Toby now that what we like to do is give dramatic readings of a few key scenes from the movie so for this movie I thought we could focus on the love story that brought balance to the force and also got a lot of people killed as well the love story between Padme and Anakin and for this Toby is portraying Padme Mike is going to be Anakin and I'll be reading the scene directions on there and I was kind of giving a little background to the story. So we first join our lovers in the, in the beginning of the movie in Coruscant and Padme's quarters, where at first it did not start off so great. Annie? My goodness, you've grown. They look at each other for a long moment. So have you. Grown more beautiful, I mean, and much shorter for, for a senator, I mean. Obi-Wan looks disapprovingly at his apprentice. Padme laughs and shakes her head. <laughs> oh, Annie, you'll always be that little boy I knew on Tatooine. Did not start off so great. But <laughs> thankfully for Anakin, it was decided to award the very important mission of guarding Padme to a horny, headstrong teenage Padawan. So Anakin and Padme go to Naboo dressed like the most conspicuous refugees at, of all time. Because they just basically took like a gold cloak and draped it over her. He had like he had like coffee stains on his uh, yeah. his cloak. It was fantastic. We like nothing to see here. Uh, so Anakin spends most of the time staring and making awkward and thinly veiled declarations of lust at Padme. <laughs> to keep her safe, they send everyone to the romantic lake country in Naboo, where they can spend their time sitting in front of silent waterfalls, eating floating fruit, and riding. Animals with gigantic asses. While there, Shaq com- uh, yeah, comes from uh, comes a famous line and a first kiss. All right, so Padme becomes aware that Anakin is looking at her again. We used to lie on the sand and let the sun dry us, and try to guess the names of the birds singing. I don't like sand. It's coarse, and rough, and irritating. It gets everywhere. Not like here. Here, everything's smooth. And soft. <laughs> <laughs> he touches her arm. Padme becomes receptive to the way he looks at her, but is nervous. There was a very old man who lived on the island. He used to make glass out of sand and vases and necklaces out of the glass. They were magical. Everything here is magical. You could look into the glass and see the water, the way it ripples and moves. It looks so real, but it wasn't. Sometimes, when you believe something to be real, it becomes real. Real enough, anyways. They look into each other's eyes. He touches her chin. I used to think if you looked too deeply into glass, you would lose yourself. I think it's true. Anakin kisses Padme. She doesn't resist. She comes to her senses and pulls away. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. 
And so, they, yeah, they kind of just keep on uh, palling around Naboo for a while until he starts getting these weird dreams about his mom. So they go to Tatooine looking for Anakin's mom. He finds her dying, and he massacres a Sand People village in retaliation. Then Obi-Wan's message comes, uh, comes across, galvanizing both of them, and they decide to rescue him. So they steal C-3PO from Tatooine and go to Geonosis to get captured, and they're about to be executed in the most overly complicated execution plan ever. All right, so here we are in the Geonosis tunnel, going to the execution arena. In the gloomy tunnel, Anakin and Padme are tossed into an open cart. The murmur of a vast crowd is heard off screen. Guards extend their arms along the framework and tie them so that they stand facing each other. The driver gets up onto a seat. Don't be afraid. I'm not afraid to die. I've been dying a little bit each day since you came back into my life. What are you talking about? I love you. You love me? I thought we decided not to fall in love. That we'd be forced to live a lie. That it would destroy our lives. I think our lives are about to be destroyed anyway. My love for you is a puzzle, Annie, for which I have no answers. I can't control it. And now I don't care. I truly, deeply love you. And before we die, I want you to know. Padme leans toward Anakin. By straining hard, it is just possible for their lips to meet. They kiss. And there we go. And scene. Great job, you guys. I totally bought it. Thank you for being such great sports. So, you know, this love scene is like, uh, I mean, some of these lines are like the most famous in the Star Wars universe. Um, the you know, sand the, one? Right? Yeah, yeah. And the thing about it, like the the romance is totally believable. Like, like it could happen. But like it's the lines that make it so obnoxious. <laughs> you know? Like you get these two horny young people, you know, one's a superstar senator one's a superstar jedi yeah they're gonna bang but like why do they have to do it in this fashion (laughs) i don't know i mean that's like first of all it's like why is anakin on this mission anyways there's like a lot of jedi masters not doing much like that guy with the big forehead you know like you're saying he's not doing anything like it's all they do is like all they do is bitch about Anakin not following directions, and they're like, "Here you go." Like, <laughs> yeah, but it was it was uh, it was brought about by good old Sheev Palpatine, right? Like, oh, that's you know, right. He was the yeah, one who actually yeah. suggested it, and they thought it was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, goes down a whole nother rabbit hole. And then also, I just wanted to uh, note that uh, one thing I did notice is Padme really kind of looked past that whole Anakin slaughtering a whole tribe of people pretty oh, quickly, God, right? Yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, well, that was Anakin's problem. Yeah. yeah. Like, I get it. I get it. Like, I'd be pretty pissed too. But still, it's like committing a war crime. Like, hey, if you were pretty, if you were just starting to get to know somebody and you're about halfway through, like, getting to know somebody and they came in and they were emotional about slaughtering men, women, and children, I mean, I would probably turn around and run, but I guess that's just me. <laughs> that's a great point, Mike. Uh, yeah. Like, so they're just getting to know each other here. <laughs> Especially you're this woman who's just been like targeted for a, you know, an assassination. And you're living with this crazy ass who just slaughters villages. <laughs> but, you know, he's, uh, he's handy with a spaceship. So got to keep him around. That is. Well, let's get into some categories, guys. 
So first, some overall stats and trivia. The budget was 115 to 120 million. Uh, the opening weekend was only about 80 million dollars. Though the gross in the U.S. was around 310, and worldwide, it was around 650 million dollars. And it was actually only the third gross, uh, highest grossing movie of 2002. It was significantly less than Spider-Man, which was number one, and Lord of the Rings, uh, The Two Towers, which was number two. It ran at two hours and 22 minutes, which was the longest Star Wars film until The Last Jedi, which runs at two hours and 32 minutes. And so another thing I thought was pretty interesting was after the mixed response to The Phantom Menace, George Lucas actually didn't return to his writing desk until about three months before uh, filming was started. So basically a lot of this stuff, I think I read like his production people were getting final drafts on scenes like three days before shooting. Wow. So obviously, no matter how much our hero George Lucas is just like, F you guys, I made the movie I wanted. He was sh- shaken enough by a lot <laughs> of the negative uh, backlash that really took him a long time to get back to here. And it seems like he just sort of like, you guys want some battles? You guys want some <laughs> some of this? Mm-hmm. Here it comes. Yeah. Like, So anyways, so that's uh, kind of the trivia and some of the stats. And so let's get into some of the initial reactions. So I looked at some of the critic reactions. Our our buddy Joe Morgan Stern from Wall Street <laughs> Journal said, you can't blame actors, particularly young ones, when the words in their mouths are almost unspeakable and the direction seems to suck them dry of energy and spontaneity. Uh, Phil Wunsch has a positive review. Will it win new, war, uh, new Star Wars acolytes? Probably not. Will it please Star Wars loyalists? Without a doubt. Which I think is pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. Michael Wilmington from the Chicago Tribune said, this movie should thoroughly please old fans and even create new ones, even if it probably won't win over critics who believe the series has turned into the movie equivalent of a slick uh, theme park. And then finally, Cr- Kenneth Turan from the Los Angeles Times said, Lucas's gift for animating the inanimate turns out to be paralleled by a tendency to deaden what should be completely alive. So... <laughs> And once again, it's a little bit more positive, but yeah. for myself, I I really felt it was like two movies. One that I really enjoyed, which is Obi-Wan investigating the mystery of the clone army and finishing with a battle. You know, I loved all that stuff. And and there was just another movie of a romance that kind of bored me. Uh, Toby, what were were your thoughts? Oh, I I agree. Like, like I I remember watching it for the first time and not being like blown away by how great it was, but like, just like uh, the, you know, the, the whole idea of the clone army being built, like the politics of it became a little more clear and it was interesting. Like, like the, you know, had it been written better, it probably would be a pretty cool story. Um, That's kind of how I left it. And, you know, it gave me enough of like lightsabers and Yoda to make it interesting, you know. How about you, Mike? Yeah, I I like it a lot. And, um, you know, I mean, I think obviously you have to have a love story in there. I mean, it's there's no way of getting around it. Yeah. I mean, we can all agree that George didn't do the greatest job of, of laying that love story out there. But I mean, honestly, I think if you if you take that love story out of it and just realize that at some point they're going to like they're going to like each other and uh you know all that's great for me for me the two main things that i really appreciated about the movie 
Um, the first I think was that it really kind of dug into the Jedi and, you know, when I was growing up, right, like the Jedi were so mystical and, you know, they were smarter and powerful and they could do anything that they want. Right. And even in, even in a new hope or um, in uh, the Phantom Menace, rather, you know, the, 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 the Jedi in that movie are just, they're powerful and they can change things and all that, you know, this, this movie really showed cracks in the Jedi order. Right. I mean, there's a lot of times throughout this movie where they were uncertain of themselves. They wanted, you know, Mace Windu wanted to go to the Senate and tell the Senate that their powers had diminished. And, you know, Yoda was like, let's just not cause a scene and let's just kind of play this thing out. And meanwhile, Palpatine's just sitting there, you know, building up his dark side empire and uh, and making things crazy. So I thought that was really cool. It, it just showed that, you know, that there's cracks in this this old mystical religion that we all thought was all powerful. And then you look yeah. at then you look at at Anakin and Obi Wan as the other part of the of the movie that I really enjoyed. I thought, you know, it's like this brotherhood thing more than a father, or more than a master and apprentice, right? And mm-hmm. and when you look at a brotherhood, there's there's going to be jealousy, there's going to be rivalry, there's going to be competition, and you see that through this whole movie. It almost makes it seem as if Obi Wan's not ready to be a master, but he is a master because he felt like he had to be. And Anakin is this uber talented, super strong young Jedi who's thinks that he's a lot stronger than he is. And Obi-Wan almost takes this older brother approach as opposed to a master approach. And it backfires. I mean, it to me, when I'm watching this movie, I see that as one of the main themes is that it really does backfire. And meanwhile, every time Anakin's talking with Palpatine, it's very much a father son. It's very much a mm-hmm. master apprentice. He almost you know, pardon the French, but he almost kisses Anakin's ass talking about how powerful he is, how he's going to become the most powerful Jedi ever. And a young 19 year old Anakin Skywalker, who's had no father, no mother, you know, no real direction, who's arrogant as hell. And he's got this guy who's telling him he's going to be the most powerful Jedi in the world. Of course, he's going to be drawn to that. And then you add in all the the tragedy that he goes through throughout the movie. I mean, for me, right? Like, the movie's got holes. There's no doubt about it, but I really did like these, these themes that kind of played throughout the entire movie that just showed, you know, where the state of the galaxy is and how a young kid can be twisted so much um, and go down the path that he goes. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Go ahead, Toby. I was just thinking if uh, you know, like you're giving the story, like you're filling in a lot of holes, I think <laughs> like with that analysis, <laughs> which I like. Like, and if we, I, I agree, like, if we, like, give the script the benefit of the doubt, like, there's some, like, really neat dynamics happening, um, you know, especially, right. like, like it becomes, like, if you give it that benefit of the doubt, you go, okay, I can see how Anakin would go to the dark side. You've heard it, you heard him say multiple times, he's like a father to me, he's like a father mm-hmm. to me, he just wants, poor little guy, just wants a dad. <laughs> but know? then he says multiple times. I've surpassed him. He's jealous of me, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's this weird relationship that they have. I mean, it's almost as if if Qui-Gon would have lived, you almost feel like maybe Anakin wouldn't have gotten to the point where he turns to the dark side. But Mm -hmm. I just, I I don't, you know, a lot of people say that Obi-Wan is the goat, right? Like greatest of all time Jedi. And I'm not arguing that. I think his, his, uh, you know, his journey or his, you know, spy mission that he goes on to Geonosis is pretty awesome. But he's not a great master to Anakin. Yep. Yeah. And I think he fails him in a lot of ways. So that's true. He wasn't the right master for him. Like Qui-Gon probably was a much better master, you know, like 
if you were choosing the ideal master uh, apprentice, you're right. I don't think Obi-Wan's the right, the perfect fit for Anakin's development. I mean, I mean, it's mm-hmm. cool to see the, the relationship. All right, let's get to some listener questions. Oh, before we get there, I was oh, also yeah. thinking, sorry to interrupt. I was also thinking along um, when we talk about like, even within the Jedi order, there's uh, this movie is like the first time where you see cracks, like, like uh, Yoda doesn't, you know, he's kind of, he, he gives uh, Obi-Wan some guff about like how arrogant he, Obi-Wan's being. And, you know, um, yeah, you know, that had never happened maybe, you know, until the next, you know, in the next movie they do more of it. But like, that was kind of a new thing too, that I thought was cool. It sounds like a lot of their mentorship is just like constantly putting each other down. <laughs> because then, like all of a sudden, you talk to someone else, and they're like, "Well, Qui Gon talks so highly of you." That's what you said. That you know, it's like, or Master Yoda thinks so highly, and all they do is just like constantly. Yeah. But maybe that's part of like you have all this power, so you just constantly knock them off at the knees, right? You know, and so Anakin just wasn't going to put up with that. He's like, "I'm the greatest." Like, <laughs> yeah. Let's get into some listener questions. The first one, I actually put out this on the Reddit just to see if anybody would uh, put it in. Uh, and put in any questions that someone did. His name is Pilot Darko. Where, when, why did Obi-Wan come up with the name Ben? Does anybody know? Mike, do you know? I don't know. I think that's a great question, and I can't wait to find out. And, you know, there's going to be, what, a Kenobi series that's coming out on uh, on Disney+. Plus. Yes. And I would hope that they get into that, obviously. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I've, what are they going to do with that? Because like, is it just going to be like Obi Wan in the desert? Like, well, <laughs> yes, I've got some. I've got some thoughts later. Oh, that's right. But <laughs> that, that, that is going to be very interesting. So we don't know where Ben comes from, unless like uh, part of being in the Jedi Order is that you just take a ridiculous name. So his name was Ben, and they're like, now you're Obi Wan. Maybe Qui Gon was like Quentin or something, and they're like, "You're Qui Gon," <laughs> and like, and Mace Windu was like uh, Marty. You know, he's like, "I'm Marty Windu." He's like, "You are now Mace Windu now." Could you know, be. maybe that's it. <laughs> Next question: It has to do with CGI Yoda. So is this is awesome. This kind of a two people put in similar questions. One of them is you, Mike, so yeah. you get to answer your own question. Mm-hmm. Is CGI Yoda or puppet Yoda better? And Sean also put in the second CGI Yoda was so often maligned. What movies got it right, and what movies are actually worse at CGI characters in a live action movie? So it's kind of a two part question. Number one, which one's better, CGI or Puppet Yoda? You guys, what's better? So I have the old, I had the original version of episode one. Um, cause the George Lucas went back and removed puppet Yoda, put CGI Yoda in its place. It didn't look right. The puppet Yoda. So I'm like a, I would much rather there be no CGI in any movie, but like in this case, the puppet Yoda in episode one did not play well. Like old puppet Yoda in episode four or five, you know, r- worked well. This one, not so much, uh, for me. How about you, Mike? Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is I presented that question to you and Toby for your review of episode one, because I think the Phantom Menace Yoda is by a mile the worst Yoda of all the Yodas. <laughs> yeah, it's it like comical how bad that Yoda was. Like, I think he had like wall eyes. It was yeah. really bad. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I obviously I like the, the puppet Yoda. I like I think that the um, the Yoda from the original trilogy is great. And I, I actually heard that they, um, you know, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen The Last Jedi yet, but I heard that they got the original puppet from the original trilogy and they used that in The Last Jedi footage, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, oh, really? Yeah, but I think, um, I mean, for this movie, you can't do a puppet. You can't have him doing a fight scene as a puppet. So it makes sense to keep him uh, animated throughout the whole time and, yeah, I, I it, it looked pretty good. It looked all right. Yeah. When, so for the second question, has to do about when these movies, when technology, because George Lucas is all about technology. Mm-hmm. When do you think th- that these CGI characters got as good as live action um, characters, or have they? I don't They're know. still not there. You, yeah. you know, and I mean, this movie is like a, a big fail in that regard for me. Like, you can always tell when it's CGI. I feel like, so I used to take a lot of photos and the whole point, like Nikon digital photo and Canon digital photo, their whole thing is they're trying to get to the point where they're as good as the old analog version. Like, and now they they might be there. Like, you know, your phone can probably take better photos than a fancy Lexar, you know, from the old days. Um, but I don't think CGI in movies is there yet. Yeah, it's it. The, I mean, the funny thing is, like, looking back at it now, it doesn't look all that great. But I do remember when I was watching it, when I was watching it real time back when I was younger, I thought it was pretty cool. And uh, I, I think it's all relative, right? I mean, it's it's as technology improves, you think that it that it's going to get better. I mean, I think Marvel's doing some pretty good stuff, obviously, with with the uh, with the CGI. But I, I will say the um, the Tarkin in uh, Rogue One was pretty brutal, but. Oh yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. that was yeah, like, right. yeah, that was bad. I saw him turn around. I was like, "Yes, Tarkin." Oh no, 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 not this Tarkin. And even Leia at the very end of that movie, that yeah. hope, like it was like, <laughs> yeah, "You're very computerized, Leia." Like, yeah. stuff, stuff. I, you, yeah. you think they'll get there at some point, but I mean, it's it, it's gotten a lot better. I, I think yeah. though, like to me, that the. the maybe the problem isn't the CGI as much as like how it's used as a crutch for like bad writing or whatever. Like CGI isn't an answer to a bad movie, you know, like you might sell more tickets, but it doesn't make the movie any better. You know, I heard something interesting where on so many of those uh, scenes in the attack of the clones are just all CGI. So like when Obi-Wan's going through Camino, like when he's first looking at all that cloning stuff, it was, it was actually Ewan McGregor, just in blue screens like mm-hmm. and he's just going through and they're like well here's when you need to look here and here's where you need to look here yeah and which which can make things awkward but i also read something where hayden christensen uh christensen really liked doing that bar scene that they did in the beginning because that was all live action that was mm-hmm. all like people in there because he could actually look at everybody mm-hmm. you know instead of like kind of walking through walking with nobody pretending like you're looking at a Kamina or like mm-hmm. stuff like that. So um, it kind of makes better scenes that way. Yep. Let's uh, get to the next question. This is actually from, let's just call him Cobb. Uh, who has the best parents in star Wars? <laughs> Boba Fett, Luke Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker, <laughs> Princess Leia, or somebody else that we haven't thought of. Toby. Uh, parent or parents who has the best because if you remember luke was okay but he was really bored and he just <laughs> hated living out there you know <laughs> but, but i think well and leia i would go with luke actually i mean I, he had humble parents who were moisture farmers you know yeah he had to work the farm and he hated it but like uh, i felt like they instilled the right values in him 
Mike? Yeah, I don't know. That's a really good question. I, I will say I did read the new uh, canon book, Leia, and it was it was actually really good. And if you're if you're looking to read some of the new canon books, I'd, I'd definitely recommend that one. It was pretty cool because it, it, it dipped into her life when, you know, she was with her parents and and uh, they were gone a lot. Right. Like they were off doing these secret missions and she like she actually um, she didn't like the fact that they were keeping her in such secrecy and it made her resent them. And um, but I mean, she was taken real well care of and they, they loved her a lot. So, I mean, it's you got to think that she had it pretty nice. I mean, Alderaan before it got blown up was uh, was supposedly a pretty sweet planet. So that'd be probably pretty good. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of hope thinking- this new Kenobi series that we get a little look as far as like the Lars family and uh, yeah. how they, you know, whether or not um, Owen Lars, maybe Owen Lars and, and Kenobi are like off doing missions together and being all badass. Yeah. With each other. Like how cool would that be? But that is cool because he has to keep the secret. Yeah. Like yep. He knows That's pretty badass. Yeah. So we'll see. You know, I was actually watching. I was kind of thinking Boba Fett for a little bit because Django is actually he taught him how to fly like a spaceship, how to uh-huh. like, like uh, I don't know, like do a bunch of cool stuff. Except that then Django got killed when he was like nine. <laughs> they, so did that, seem to have, they did seem yeah. to have a really like yeah. loving relationship, you know, or like you know, kind of like a idiot jock dad. And right. Son, it seemed like know, the like, most loving relationship yeah. out of all of them, except for maybe Anakin and Shmi. <laughs> right. I mean, Anakin was a slave, yeah. so maybe that wasn't so great. <laughs> all right. This t- this kind of ties into the uh, next question. Would you keep a clone of yourself, just like Django did? So you go, Toby. You get hired by a bunch of Kaminans to make a army of guitarists. Would you keep a clone <laughs> of yourself? Yeah. I mean, so like. It's a, like, I would be very, very curious. Um, I don't, I think it'd be hard to say no to, um, but I would hope I would say no. Um, unless I wanted a kid and didn't have a kid or something, but like, it just seems like an ego play. Like there's many ways to have a kid and especially in that Mm -hmm. galaxy, there's gotta be a way to, you know, a test tube baby, you know, (laughs) get a clone of someone else's kid. I don't know. But, uh, it would be I, I would be hard to say no to. How about you, Mike? No, I wouldn't. No, I All think, right, next question. I think Go by ahead. the way, I think I think the whole cloning aspect of Star Wars is like one of my least favorite parts of Star Wars. I I don't like the fact that they did the cloning. I really hope that cloning never shows up again, but I'm sure it will at some point. Well, are they? It's not so. Like, yeah, Return of the Jedi. They're not clones, right? They're they just slaves, right? I. I don't know, actually. I think it's a mix of both, isn't it? Yeah, probably, right? Because there's a bunch of old clones that are still around, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's it's a good question. But a lot of the officers, they don't wear helmets anymore. And they're the clones. They have a bunch of different uh, like officer grades, like commander and stuff like this. Yeah, but the the story is the one one guy, like the lead guy, uh, John Boyega or whatever, forget his name, Finn. Finn. He's not a clone. He was a slave. Yeah, but there was a scene in in uh in that movie where Kylo Ren says something about don't make you know maybe we should get a clone army and they could do the right. job there, right? He does. So the, he kind of implied there is like they like part of the army is already a clone army. Like I mean, that's how I read that scene. But you're, you're it sounds like you heard it as like there's not a clone army right now. Is that right? Yeah, I heard it as there there's not a clone army, but he could get a clone army to do the job better if uh, 
if old Huxy baby's uh, <laughs> army can't do the job, I call him Huxy baby. I don't know why. It does <laughs> seem like a way more efficient way to run the army. You know, like we know what they all like to eat. We know what health concerns that exist, you know? Yeah. Makes sense. I guess. <laughs> next, next question, you guys. Anakin Skywalker and Attack of the Clones flagrantly violates several rules that the Jedi hold in highest highest esteem, not killing unless in self-defense, no starting romantic relationships, uh, don't torture. Many of these he does in front of members of the Jedi Council, Yoda, Kenobi, and others. Why do you think the Council never disciplined or expelled him from the Jedi Order? And this is from Sean. Mike. Me first. Uh, that's a good question. I thought about that a lot. I actually, um, that was one of the things that crossed my mind multiple times while watching this movie was why are they not doing anything about this? Why is somebody not stepping in? And I mean, the only thing I could say is that maybe the, you know, the dark side was clouding their actual vision of it. Maybe they thought there was still hope of him. Maybe they thought he's still the chosen one as you know, Qui-Gon so eloquently put it. Uh, and they were just trying to keep the faith in the fact that he would come good on his, you know, on what they thought he was, but I, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, he did some stuff pretty brutal. He questioned everybody and he was, I, I don't get it. They should have, they should have challenged him a little bit more, but obviously they didn't. Toby. Yeah. I kind of feel like, um, I mean, we don't know what expulsion means, but it, it seems like, uh, like some sort of censorship, like, <laughs> you know, some penalty for being a total, insubordinate asshole you know like to yeah. your master like was in line um he should have got written up or something Get a yeah. point. like you got a point right uh it does seem like expulsion is would be a scary option because what happens then like then he's on his own isn't he better off like being trained by obi-wan than mm-hmm. you know out in the world banging a bunch of chicks and lightsabering <laughs> it up yeah. like what you're gonna do obi-wan like i'm getting mine <laughs> Like, <laughs> it's funny though because I I don't think they I really don't think they really trust him all that much. No, mm-hmm. and so the fact that right. he keeps doing all these things and them not saying anything, I mean, it's Yoda's approach is a lot of you know sit back and let's just see how this thing unfolds. But I mean, jump you know jump into the next episode. I won't get into it too much. But I mean, even when he finds out that Palpatine is spoiler alert the uh, the dark side of, of the of dark lord of the Sith rather. Um, what does May say? He says something like, if this is true, uh, my, my trust in you will be restored. Right. right so, I mean, yeah. obviously they don't really, they don't really trust him, but right. I think they're just trying to keep him close. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> maybe they're afraid too. I could see they expel him and then he just stalks the shit out of Padme. This is an official capacity. <laughs> All right, let's get into some of our questions while, that came up while we were watching. Toby, you had a couple. What, what were your questions? <laughs> well, uh, the first one we uh, broached, uh, we, we talked about last time. Uh, George <laughs> Lucas lives in an alternate reality for high school civics. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> Mace Windu at one point comes to talk to the prime minister. He dresses him as your honor, which... Uh, <laughs> 
you know, okay, maybe they call prime ministers your honor, but Anakin calls him your excellency. And so in our culture, uh, your honor would be a judge. Your excellency would be a king, like King George, your excellency. And so humble. Let me kiss your feet. Um, now, uh, Padme, was, as we described in episode one, Padme was elected queen, but she was appointed to the Senate by the current queen, which, of course, in, in our culture is completely opposite. You know, you're, you're, you're birthrighted into the queenship and then you're elected into the, you know, Senate. But uh, one, one quick comment on that, too. I know in the last episode, you guys had talked about how young she was when she got elected queen. Well, she was 14 or something. <laughs> Didn't she in this movie? I think she said, "I wasn't the youngest queen ever elected." But thinking back, I, I wasn't ready for it. Oh my, I wonder what the youngest queen was. I don't know. They love electing kids to a long history in Naboo of electing young queens. Yeah, they're looking. They're going through student councils. They're like, "Oh, that person really has what we're looking for." And meanwhile, you know? that, that senator CEO Bibble, that gray-haired guy, is just like, "Oh, there's war coming!" <laughs> like every movie, it's great. Like he he probably keeps on running every time and gets like voted <laughs> down. Like he's just like, "What about me?" Like. Oh, and it, yeah, it, 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 it's kind of funny. Um, well, and, and that, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I wasn't sure if they had more than one senator. Like, is it clear that they have more than one? Because I think George one... is a representative. I think they call them representative banks. Oh, so they have representative and then senators. Is that? Uh, but I don't think he was elected either. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because Padme appointed him, didn't she? Did yeah. Padme say, Jar Jar, you're now the senator or something? I mean, who cares? Yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> <what I> was... <laughs> oh, so like, um, this is a good transition point because I could only figure out there's one senator from Naboo at a time, but maybe there's more. It's not clear. Um, but there are at least three ET characters in the senator box, and so I'm like, well, ET's planet has at least three senators. <laughs> so, Naboo gets one, E.T.'s planet gets three. I don't know how they decide that population or smarts or something. <laughs> um, but this leads me to my second question. There's a, 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 you know, a conspiracy on the internet saying that E.T. is a Sith Lord. Um, because if you remember in, in the movie E.T., um, he, he, so E.T. is in the movie, like there's not E.T. himself, but E.T.'s uh, uh, planet species. Re- yeah. species is represented in the Galactic Senate in episode two. Um, and in the movie E.T., E.T. has Jedi-like powers. He lifts, makes the bikes fly. He oh, controls. Yeah. Oh. He makes the books float. Like he can, and, he, and uh, this is the reason why they think he's a Sith Lord is because Sith Lords are the only people that we know that are capable of bringing people from death back to life. And E.T. brings uh, himself back from death in the movie. Um, so, wow. Yeah. I love it. I don't even know what to say. I yeah, it. I love it, too. It's, it's just like. Well, and if you take this a step further, like uh, even if you, let's say he's not a Sith, the Star Wars galaxy has now touched our galaxy, like thousands of years later in the movie E.T., uh, where ET's people have ventured out as scientists looking for, and they go, "Hey, here's Earth." So now Earth is in the Star Wars galaxy too, and we deserve a ride at Disneyland. <laughs> well, that is a very Lucasy leap that you took there, Toby. I love it. 
Hey, really? he always does that. He's he always like writes something like twenty years ago, and he's like, "Oh, this is what I meant by it." You know. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> uh, go ahead, Mike. Hey, also bringing it back to your uh, your politics question as well, right? So, uh, Representative Binks, and he's a representative, right? So he's the one on the Senate floor who actually does the speech to grant emergency powers to <laughs> Chancellor Palpatine. And I don't even remember anybody voting. There was just a bunch of people just hooting and hollering. And then all of a sudden, he's just like, I take these powers. It's like, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I guess that's how it went pretty quick. Yeah. That's right. There's nobody. He's just like, yeah, I'm in power now. Okay. And yeah. my first act is, you know, that's funny. Bob, um, I was hoping and, you would have put those quotes in because I was, I was really looking forward to hearing Toby's impersonation of Jar Jar again. <laughs> oh, Jar Jar on the Senate floor, so ruining the whole galaxy. Oh, I know. We'll do it next time for sure. Well, nice. What's great about that is like the scene where he he's convinced. Uh, so there's a whole other thing we talked about last time where Jar Jar might be a Sith Lord. And this is part of it because he's in that meeting with uh, Palpatine. Palpatine's like, I wish there was somebody with the bravery to grant me emergency powers. Misa, do it. And he's like, like Misa, yeah. Misa, do it. And he says something is like, "It's my humble honor" or something like that. I will it's destroy Misa this galaxy. humble honor. <laughs> oh. Okay, uh, let's get to some more of our questions, Mike. What you got for us? Yeah, my question is, could Obi-Wan Kenobi be a drunk? (laughs) And so the reason I I say that, so there's two scenes in this movie in particular where he orders a drink, very casually orders a drink. And I I actually rewatched these two (laughs) scenes too. So one of them was during Zam Wessel's chase scene and when they're down at that bar, right? Uh-huh. And and it's uh-huh. funny because he's walking through that bar with Anakin and Anakin's like angry with him. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and he looks back at him like, I'm getting a drink. Come on. Like, it's not a big deal. <laughs> and he just hammers that drink down too. Like two sips, bam, bam. And then later when he's in uh, when he's in the, the, the cafe or the, the – um, yeah. what's the restaurant that the restaurant that he's in? <laughs> yeah. With Dak, I forget yeah, the name yeah, of it. Dak's, yeah, Dak's Cafe or whatever it is. Yeah. With, with the old uh, flow robot that's, <laughs> that's, hey, how you doing? You want a Jawa juice? And so the Jawa juice that she that she offers him, he's like, yeah, of course, give me a Jawa juice. And I found out that's a fermented drink. And he's just casually wow. drinking during the middle of the day. He probably goes to Dex's diner and drinks all the time. <laughs> they all know him. Yeah, he knows Dax really <laughs> yeah. well. You know, and, and it made me think in between episodes three and four, yeah. right? You get into four and he starts starts talking about Mos Eisley Cantina and <laughs> Villainry. How does he know so much about Mos Eisley Cantina? Is he a regular yeah. there? He is. I mean, they all look at him like he's a regular there. So yeah. I don't know. I'm starting the theory. Well, I'm sure it's already out there, but. No, no, I love yeah, it. That's just. That's the first I've heard of it. It's really funny because when he does that after the chase, when he's in that bar, and it looks like like it could be read like like Anakin's like he's drinking again on the job. Right. He's like, I'm getting a drink. Yeah. Taking the edge <laughs> off. Yeah. He's like really angry about it. It's like, I can't have a girlfriend. I can't have any relationships. Yeah. Just let me have my drink and be happy. <laughs> It really makes uh, sense. There's a deleted scene where Obi Wan just had shaky hands and he was just puking in the morning. No, it's, that's not true. He's just like, <laughs> See, there it is. he's getting an IV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> this this ties into one of my questions okay. is uh what do people eat in Star Wars? Mm. Because I think this is something that is really <laughs> underreported. And you can't say that it doesn't matter because I looked at the script that George Lucas does, and all he does is he names everything, and he gets you know there's backstories to everybody, but and maybe they're all alcoholics like Obi Wan where they just drink all the time. <laughs> so I saw a few things like they they tried to eat as much as possible, but it just doesn't make much sense. There's well, the scene of the clones eating where they had an empty right. bowl, and they kind of look to the side. And it's one guy's like kind of like uh, like. He's knifing like a small thing of tofu, and they're eating. Like, there's the fruit, you know. Like all they had were fruit. Was fruit like just like a floating pear and stuff? They go to that picnic, and there's no food at the picnic. And Wait, what picnic, like by the waterfalls, you know, they're just like sitting out. There. I mean, it might not be a picnic, but it looks like a picnic. They go to the cafe, and I think you see one plate of food, and it's like gray Twinkies. It's like gray bricks yeah. or something like on the plate. And nobody else is eating there at all. Right. They're all just drinking, you know? Yeah. And so all they do is kind of drink stuff of different colors. The only person I remember eating anything <laughs> was like Jabba. And it was just frogs. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, there is one one famous eating scene where Anakin sends uses the force to send Padme an apple. <laughs> the pear, yes. Yeah, just, what kind of pear? But she didn't that? really like it. She's just like, I'm watching my figure, and everyone's like super skinny there, you know. So like, well, yeah, Yoda, so, Yoda, Yoda makes some food in, in Dagobah. Oh, that's, oh, that's cool, right. Yeah. There's like uh, herbs and live snake. I mean, it's just like it's. <laughs> yeah. I think George has some eating issues. Yeah. Um. So that's, that's one of my funny. questions. The second one well, is, has to do with the the clone building so uh-huh. how does sifo ds commission the building of the clone army mm-hmm. if it's as ex- expensive as dex says it is because he's like the kaminans really like money <laughs> right. like like does he have like a company credit card that he's just like <laughs> just put it on there and no one seems to know um mike do you can you fill in the plot stuff here yeah, you know what's funny is i i was i was trying to look into that and i didn't have the time to look into it but but uh, Obi-Wan at one point says when he's on that hologram and he's talking to them outside in Geonosis, he says that Master Sifo-Dyas sanctioned it 10 years ago. And then he follows that up by saying, I was under the impression he died before then. Which makes me think that mm. it, maybe it was somebody impersonating Sifo-Dyas. Mm. Um, I'm not sure. And that I, honestly, that's something I, I do want to look up because I was very interested by that. It's well, probably covered in one of the books or Clone Wars yeah. or something. Go ahead, Toby. Boy. I was just thinking, like, it it, it would have been uh, Palpatine's credit card would have been paying for it. You know, like, <laughs> oh, maybe that's true. So, like, it would have been off the books. Yeah, um, I mean, Jango says he was recruited by Tyrannus, which is um, Count Dooku. So mm. it almost makes me think that Tyrannus was impersonating Sifo-Dyas who got this started as a part of the whole dark side plan. That makes sense. And so, okay. So it's probably all bankrolled by Palpatine really. And he just wanted them to find it because Dooku, when did, so Dooku Maul was killed uh, 10 years ago and there's only two Sith. There's the apprentice and the master. Mm. And so then Maul's gone. And so right away he had to, Dooku had to go become Tyrannus, right? Yeah, right. And it's yep. it said it's said in canon that he um, that Count Dooku leaves the leaves the Jedi 
order right after Qui-Gon's death. Hmm. So um, that would be 10 years ago. Okay. Well, I guess that answers that. We'll see. So that's how you pay for a clone army. And nobody knows. <laughs> like a 1.2 million clones. Right. <laughs> like, and they, like the communions are like, hey, everything's paid for. You're here to pick it up. Like, oh <laughs> Well, this is funny. This gets back to like, if you look, there's like websites that do the economics of the Death Star. And yeah. it's like a million planets worth of steel. You know, like. In- Which, uh, fun fact, the, um, the Death Star was built by the Geonosians. There was a, in one of the books. Oh yeah. That um, one scene. Yeah. It was catalyst. It was one of the books that they had in the lead up to rogue one, the movie. Mm. And they talk about the the main guy, the, the, the main Geonosian, his name is Poggle the lesser, which is a great star Wars name. And uh, him and the Geonosians were, were like the main people who helped to like build the actual structure of the death mm. star, which is kind of cool. little canon nod. All right. Our next category is we're going to talk about some of the, uh, big plot points in the movie, and we're gonna rate them uh, as to how awesome they were. And we're the scale is one to twenty thousand midichlorians, twenty thousand being good, one being not so good. All right, so the romance between Anakin and Padme, Toby. I mean, it's a one. It, it's as bad as they come. Like, I don't know who directed. Like, you've got mail. They should have got that person to direct this love scene. You know, like. Right. <laughs> Uh, Mike, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd give it maybe a hundred just because the love story had to happen. It wasn't done well. Nobody, I mean, did it like, could they just have an affair or something and not get married? Like it happens. Well, I mean, know? Padme was such a, a, a crux in his fall to the dark side. I mean, at the end of the day, he's trying to save her from death. And that's the, that's the, the event that was the last straw and turning to the dark side. So I just feel like he, you had to have something that brought them together closer than just an affair, but uh, I don't know. I guess so. I think poor Padme, she like, she, I think she just got really cloistered up so young. Like she, she should have went out there because like basically her <laughs> only option is this guy who's like, I've been thinking about you nonstop for 10 years. Right. Like we all, we all know those women yeah. too. And we all feel sorry for them. Yeah. Right. And like, she's just sort of like, okay, yep. just wore her down. Like, yeah, it's just uh, sorry, Padme. Yeah, yeah I'm going to I'm going to rate that 100 as well. All right, the Army of the Republic, the Clone Army. How awesome was that, Mike? Well, so what? What's the the coolest? Is twenty thousand? Yeah, I'll give it. I'll give it ten thousand because I do think it's pretty cool. But like I like I told you guys earlier, I am the, the whole clone thing is still a little bit funky, but. Um, man, it was pretty cool when they, when he shows up and he sees that clone army marching around for the first time. And when they did drop down on Geonosis and they started fighting and, and that the battle of Geonosis took off, that was, it was pretty awesome to watch. So I'll give it 10,000. Toby. I think it's 18,000. I think the, the, the clone army parts are the most dramatic, like the most like believable dramatic parts of the whole movie. And, um, it's a badass army without a doubt. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I liked you know, all the like, oh, there's commanders and there's you know commando units and stuff. I almost wish that they maybe have spent a couple movies doing the Clone Wars and instead of just one. But what can you do? You know, you had yeah. a pod race. You know, <laughs> uh, but I really well, like the the uh, Clone Army in general. Like the battle. I mean, I just remember I was like, okay, this is what I wanted to see when I was in the movie theater. I was like, okay, here we mm-hmm. go. 
you know? Yeah. But I think for me, it was like the little moments. And we talked about some of these in episode one, like at the very end when like they're all looking over the army and they pan down and there's just like, you know, 200,000 troops down there getting into their ships. Like that's like a real, like a well done scene that gives me goosebumps still as I'm talking about him. Like, wow, that was cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you realize just how big the army is and to see Palpatine standing over it, it's like, whoa, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. All right. How, how do you guys like Count Dooku as a bad guy? One to 20,000. Toby. I think he's badass. I'm going to go 17,000. Like, I, I think he's believable and he does a great job, uh, you know, the actor. And um, he's one of the few, like, bright acting moments in the movie, I think. Um, and he's a badass with the sword. He's he's an asshole with the force, you know. Like, he does all the things you expect. He's, like, the most Vader-like of anyone, you know, the way he uses the force. And, yeah. Like, yeah, I agree. I, I love Count Dooku. I think he's one of the most underrated characters in the prequel trilogy and uh out so i'd probably say like eighteen thousand. i just think he's so cool right he was he was yoda's apprentice and he was uh qui-gon's master and he's you know he's he's playing this middle ground it's great it's a great great character would you have taken his offer like on geonosis if you're obi-wan because dooku's like hey why don't we team up do you think he wants to team up with obi-wan to kill Palpatine because isn't that the whole thing with Siths? The apprentice kills the master and takes over as the master. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it, that was his objective. I think at that point, Obi Wan missed it again because he's too busy. <laughs> like he's like just the whole time he's just like, I need a drink. Oh, he's, he's floating there. <laughs> he's you know? a drunk voice out. <laughs> yeah. he used the wrong carrot he should have just held out the bottle <laughs> join me Obi-Wan and you'll have this prize we can drink whiskey together and rule the world <laughs> right alright and then another awesome scene the execution scene yeah. uh, which we were talking about Toby But so they tie them all up and then they're like here's three unruly animals that we can't even control and we're just going to have them eat and it's going to take 10 minutes for them to go across this arena and then during the whole thing, like all these Jedi come in, like, how did you like that whole scene, Toby? I, I so if, if, if we can just start the scene when they're tied to the poles, I thought it's a great scene. Like, yeah. um, because as we've established, there's a whole love dialogue happening on the way out to the poles. Um, but once they're out there, when it's and Padme's role in it's not believable and it's kind of lame, but when the Jedi are actually fighting those animals, it's pretty awesome. They had that one scene where they make the charge, which which was pretty cool. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. the, the one guy with the big black eyes and just like, yeah, you know, he looked like he had sunglasses. I don't know yeah. who he was, but uh, he probably has a name in the whole book. It's Kid Fisto. Uh, how about Squid Guy? Yeah. Yeah, Kid Fisto. Oh. <laughs> All right. He's how cool. about you, Mike? Did you like that scene? Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's. I mean, it's like a callback to the old Ranker Pit, right? Like, it's yeah. a, it's, mm-hmm. it's these totally crazy animal beast things that are in an arena that everybody's watching it, just waiting for these guys, these heroes to die and, uh, and they get through it. So I thought it was really cool. And all these Jedi just somehow get through. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, the, Oh, we're a little fly guys. Don't worry about us. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, you got Mace Windu chopping off Django's head. You got, oh. you know, you got a crab thing. I think it's called like an Ackley. I looked them up. It was an Ackley. I mean, that thing was pretty cool, man. It has like crab yeah. eggs and this really weird oh, mouth. Yeah. I mean, 
It's a badass. Spear thrown into its shoulder and it just bites it off and throws it. I mean, come on. It's awesome. I think like, you know, the thing that that scene highlights again, um, that we haven't talked about is Padme with different direction, maybe, or different script. Like she's like a badass character that is just, for some reason, it just falls totally flat in this movie for me. Um, but like the writing, you go, wow, she's out there fighting and like, like she's a pretty badass like character, but like, I don't know. <laughs> the, the thing is, she's almost too good for Anakin, right? Like she's right. amazing. She was a queen when she was 14. She's like a badass. She could go out there and battle. and She doesn't need somebody like Anakin. And yet like this whole love story with Anakin and he's a psychopath right. and she falls for him. It, just, it almost makes, it almost kind of is a knock yeah. on her character, but I mean, maybe that's it. Great. Maybe it's like the, you you question like her whole thing when she goes after Anakin, like, like why are you going like you're dating this psycho? It's like uh, you know I know I have a someone I love who who's dated multiple abusers, and I'm just like why? Because they watch Attack of the Clones. They're like this could work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. If you want somebody that bad and just stare at them constantly, they're going to say yes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, and and then my personal favorite scene of the entire thing was the Yoda combat scene because I remember that's when I was just like, oh, like in in the theaters, this is the one I like the best when Yoda kind of he, he kind of ambles out and also he just starts twirling everywhere. I that everything was worth it just for that scene. How about you, Mike? Yeah, yeah. Yo- so Yoda is my favorite character in uh, of all the movies, and uh, my wife probably should have run. When she first met me, I had a poster of Yoda on my wall. Granted, I was in my 20s and I had a poster of Yoda on my wall. So, um, yeah, I mean, Yoda's the man. I mean, I think that that whole scene where he's pulling pulling stuff off the walls and they're, you know, making the ceilings collapse and grabbing the rocks with a force and throwing them off and then deciding to to lightsaber battle instead. It's that's great. I, you know, 20,000 for sure. Yeah. And I think like the way that he catches that lightning, you know, because dude, yeah. dude you know, and he does it again when Palpatine throws the lightning at him in the next movie. Like Yoda, so Yoda's clearly like a badass, and they they you know the scenes coming because throughout the movie there's little like nods. Like at one point, Obi Wan's like, uh, uh, Anakin says something like, "I thought I was already as good a lightsaber person as Yoda." And Obi-Wan's like, in your dreams. <laughs> like, like, and I watched the preview, you know, like the, the the trailer that played in the theaters before Attack of the Clones came out. And it ends with Yoda just starting up his lightsaber. And you just, oh, you know, right. it, it's cool. Like, yeah. Just worked everyone into a frenzy. Yeah. <laughs> so has your opinion of the movie changed at all after rewatching Toby? Uh, you know, I actually think like, it's uh, my opinion has gotten worse of it over time. Um, I've watched it. I don't know, maybe 20 times over the years. And like, I think like I I used to forgive a lot more in it and even taking away the, you know, if you take away the love scenes, even the love scenes are so hard, so unbearable. It's hard to get past them. But I think even you take those out of it. I I don't think like it's, it's not a great movie. Like even, I mean, it's it's cool and all, but like, it's just not great. Like I would put like, like the Godfather, great movie, you know, throughout it's, uh, this one is not anywhere near that good, you know, Mike. Yeah. It, it changed. It's, it's the same for me. I mean, I think I told you, Bob, when, when this movie first came out, I, I got a, a copy of a DVD copy of it 
I don't even remember where it was, but it was like three different CD, CDs or DVDs. And I, so I had to get up and change it every, you know, every 45 minutes or whatever. And I watched it a ton of times and I really enjoyed it. And I, you know, I think that there's a lot of flaws in it, no doubt about it. And rewatching it made me realize just how, how creepy that love story is. Um, <laughs> but in general, I still, I still, I love the themes of the movie, the overall themes of the movie. I think it does do a pretty good job of, of setting up episode three. And um, yeah, so I, I still think it's great. Do you think a lot of people, here's a question that kind of came to mind as I was watching it. Because I was just thinking about how people received the Force Awakens, you know, the that's what number seven or something, and people were loved it so much because they're just like this wasn't a disaster. You think <laughs> like like I think almost like when I saw it at the theater, I just like a lot of it was just like oh my god, thank goodness, like it was <laughs> like not the Phantom Menace. Do you think a lot of like your reaction initially was based on that? Maybe. Same. Well, the for the first line in. Uh, the force awakens is this should begin to make things right. <laughs> and, and you know, that's on purpose. You know, that's on oh, purpose. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Well, and you know, one thing the force awakens gets right that this movie did really poorly was the introduction of the characters. Like force awaken makes this big build up for each character. Like here's, uh, uh, you know, here's Luke, here's, um, r2d2 here's c3po and they 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 each have their own space and i feel like george lucas tried to do that with uh with the prequel but uh, you know it just wasn't done as well yeah I, i i agree with you i think one of the reasons why the original trilogy was so good is because the the main characters were so well developed you you loved those characters every single one of those main characters was fantastic and I think in this one, he came into it and he's like, okay, we're going to do a story about Darth Vader. And it's like, great, that's rad. Let's do a story of Darth Vader. And then he just throws all these characters in. It's choppy dialogue. It's like, why should I like Anakin? Why should I like Padme? I don't think he does a great job of really building up the, the characters. And I think that's probably one of the biggest flaws. But, you know, it's still a cool story about Darth Vader. Yeah, well, and the other thing, like like I've watched it 20 times. It's, it's rewatchable in ways that like, spider-man not so much for me you know like i like yeah, loved it initially yeah. but i wouldn't watch it again but i've watched these movies over and over even episode one like i've watched it probably 30 times you know <laughs> like, <laughs> you so crazy yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> all right you guys anything else any other scene or anything else that we missed during this there was one question that came up in our pre pre-show dialogue um is obi-wan the greatest of all time. Oh yeah. Okay. Greatest what? Alcoholic? Partier? <laughs> <laughs> or a Jedi? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's... okay. I'll, I'll, Bob, what do you think? I'll say no, no. Where does no, he rank? He's just. I think he's like a good number three behind Yoda is number one and Luke is number two of the people we know. How about you, Mike? You got Luke number two. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I, that's probably – I'd probably put it that same way, to be fair. I See, I put Luke number one, um, and part of it's probably from reading the old books because he's such a badass in those books. That's true. Um, uh, just like this humble, like, you know, don't mess with Luke because he knows the Force really well. <laughs> like, I, I do think, like, the, you know, the, the Last Jedi kind of, like, 
unfortunately ruined Luke for me. Like I was like, come on, why, why does he got to be a clown now? <laughs> but like I would put Luke number one. Um, I don't, I don't actually think I don't like hold Obi-Wan and like high esteem, like in my list, but we really only know about three Jedi. It's Luke, Yoda and Obi-Wan. Um, but I actually like uh, Yoda. I would put up there cause Yoda's cool, but I, I love the investigative stuff. you obi-wan does and but i makes me curious about like these other jedi what are they off doing like maybe they're also doing investigations and it seems they're to be meditating like, or something because there's a line in this movie where anakin goes uh investigation is implied in our mandate here because obi-wan was like we're not going to investigate no and anakin goes it's implied the fact that we're here means it's implied and so it makes me wonder if like this is what Jedi do. Like they're investigators, you know, there's a lot of that in the clone Wars series. Mm. It's Jedi going off and doing all these missions and stuff. All right, you guys, I think it's time to wrap it up. Thank you so much for being on today. Thank you, Mike, for being a guest. I hope you had fun. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate the conversation. Thank you, Toby. We will be back in a couple of weeks. I think we're taking next week off. Revenge of the Sith. Is that the Revenge or Return? I always get Revenge, confused. Yeah. Revenge. Yep. Revenge of the Sith. The end of the George Lucas directed movies <laughs> should be fun. Uh, so that's going to be in a couple weeks. The Adrian Hipster Star Wars rewatch is produced by Bob Serrano and Toby Crines. You can follow me on Twitter at Bob Serrano5. Email me at agenthipsternetwork at gmail.com, agenthipsternetwork at gmail.com. Subscribe to, to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Twitter, Spotify, and Podbean. And please rate and review and recommend to other people. So thank you so much for listening. May the Force be with you. 